0: growth mindset. This has been a really popular topic in the world of learning and development for the better part of a decade now. I mean, growth mindset. Growth mindset. The growth mindset is pervading everything that's happening these days. We focus on growth mindsets. They either have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And a real growth mindset. It's what we call in in education, we call it a growth mindset. Most people at this point can define sort of what it is, and that's great. But... There's been some really exciting developments in the research over the past few years that I can't wait to share with you. Welcome to the Learner Lab Podcast. I'm Trevor Reagan. Each episode, we dig into one topic that can help you and your people get better at getting better. This week, we're dipping in to the new era of growth mindset research. And our guest is David Yeager from the University of Texas.
1: Hi, can you hear me?
0: David has done a number of studies with Carol Dweck And he's kind of on the forefront of this new era of growth mindset research. I had a great conversation with him just a few days ago. We're going to bring him in later in the episode so he can present some of his new research. And I think you're absolutely going to love it. So here's a game plan for today. We're going to divide this into three categories. First, I'm going to give sort of a high-level overview of Carol Dweck's growth mindset research Then we're going to talk about sort of this new era, the new findings that are coming out in the research. I can't wait to get into that. And then at the end of the episode, I'm going to give you some tips and strategies that I've learned over the past decade that can kind of help you foster and build a growth mindset. I think this is going to be a great episode. Let's dig in. The originator of this research is Carol Dweck from Stanford. She is incredible, and she's been researching this for over 40 years now. So the core argument or discovery here is the way we think about learning can impact how we do it. Our mindset towards learning itself can influence how we learn. Through years of research, they identified two kind of core mindsets we can have towards learning. First, a fixed mindset. Fixed mindset is the idea that we sort of have the skills we have, we have the intelligence that we have and can't change it very much.
1: Walter, how do you write such good social letters?
0: Well, Nora, It's a talent, some people have it and some don't. Fixed mindset is not the belief we're bad at stuff. So saying I'm bad at the piano, I'm bad at math, I'm bad at dancing, that doesn't mean I have a fixed mindset. That's self-awareness. And there's a difference between those two things. Now, if I start to say and believe things like, I can't learn math, I can't learn the piano, I can't learn to dance, that's more of a fixed mindset belief. Dweck's research is about our belief in our capacity to grow. Has nothing to do with maybe our confidence in our abilities or different strengths and weaknesses. So on the flip side, with that framework, you start to see what an actual growth mindset is. Growth mindset is the belief that we can grow, we can get better at stuff, we can build new skills, we can grow our intelligence.
2: Most people are capable of playing the piano, but like other skills, this form of behavior has to be learned and then strengthened in practice.
0: It's not the belief we're the best at everything. It's the simple yet powerful belief and idea that we can get better at stuff. And 40 plus years of research shows that these mindsets play an important role in the learning process. Now, the reason why is actually pretty straightforward. I could talk for hours about this, but in a nutshell, this is the way I think about it. Mindsets matter, because they impact our actions. And actions are obviously really important in the learning process. So a good way to think about this is actually through exercise. So let's say I don't believe I can get in better shape. Am I gonna work out very much? Probably not. And if I never work out, am I going to get in better shape? No. So you see, that's kind of illustrating the point. My mindset towards my ability to change is limiting my actions And with limited action, of course I can't make a change, I can't grow. But then you flip it and go, if I do believe I can get in better shape, I'm more likely to do the things that will help me do that, more likely to work out, change my diet. And by putting in the work and taking action, I'm more likely to see results. In each scenario, you start to see that the mindset is influencing the action itself. Replace exercise with any skill and you start to see I think why these mindsets matter so much. Once you understand this dynamic of mindsets impact action, action impacts growth, you see it everywhere. Like imagine if I'm in fourth grade, my parents tell me that I'm not a math person. If I adopt that belief, think about how that shapes my action. Every test, every assignment for years, that story, this belief, this fixed mindset belief is robbing me of practice, action, and engagement, and over time it becomes true. I believe I'm not a people person. I avoid interacting with people. I become not a people person. It's the other part of the mindset research that I think is intriguing, is in a way they become self-fulfilling. If I don't believe I can learn something, I'm probably not going to learn it. Now this isn't magic, it's just if I really don't believe I can change and build this skill, I won't put in enough time and practice and action to actually build the skill. But again, you flip it and go, when I do believe I can change, when I do believe I can build this skill, I'm more likely to engage in the process that will help me do just that. So that's a nice little overview of what the mindset research is and why I think it matters. This is a topic that I've been obsessed with for over 10 years, since the day that I interviewed Carol Dweck. She was actually like the second person that I interviewed in my life. But since then, I've been really, really excited about this work. I think people have gone in sort of three separate directions with how they think about growth mindset. Some people have sort of oversimplified and overhyped it. Other people, I think, have done a great job of implementing it. And some people have abandoned it entirely. Let's talk about each one of these. Oversimplifying, overhyping is we're exposed to this research. We learn about it on the surface level. We put some posters on the wall. We tell our students that they should have a growth mindset. And then we think that it's going to solve all of our problems. If I'm being honest, I think when I was younger, I was kind of headed down that direction with some of our content, thinking that growth mindset was simple and that just telling people to have one was going to make big changes. That being said, there are some people and some groups that are doing this right. I know that Microsoft credits Growth Mindset for some of the big changes and improvements they've made over the past few years. I know that Olympic teams are using this research to improve the learning and development of their athletes. And there's lots of success stories of schools and individuals using this stuff to make really important changes within themselves and the people that they lead. Now let's talk about this third direction, the people that abandoned it. So a few years ago, there was a big meta-analysis published that basically said, like, look, we're overhyping growth mindset. It actually doesn't impact outcomes as much as we think. And maybe we shouldn't be spending this much time and energy implementing it. Then there's a waterfall of blog posts and articles piling on, basically saying growth mindset's overrated. We don't need to talk about it as much as we do. I think a lot of people in a lot of groups saw those headlines and read those blog posts, and sort of moved on from growth mindset. But that brings me back to David Yeager. In 2020, Carol Dweck and David Yeager published a big response to the meta-analysis and some of the other pushback against growth mindset. And I'm gonna link it below so you can go through. But basically they break it down point by point and address some of the flaws in the meta-analysis. Big picture, if you weight the experiments properly, If you're actually looking at a true growth mindset intervention, the results are clear. Growth mindset is important. It can improve outcomes, especially for the people that need it the most. And growth mindsets can be built through effective interventions. And since then, David has produced a number of studies, some of which were published in Nature, the most prestigious research journal that there is backing up these claims and showing that growth mindset really does matter.
1: Those growth mindset effects appeared enough times, and then you start seeing people doing it poorly in practice and probably having no effect, that you're like, okay, now we've got to really figure out where does growth mindset work, where does it not, for whom, under what conditions. That kicked off what I'm calling the new era of growth mindset research. And so that's what we're unpacking right now.
0: So the new era of growth mindset research is really looking at like, OK, we understand what this research is. We understand that it is important. But what are the most effective ways of developing these interventions to make the biggest impact? That's why I was so excited to meet David Yeager just a couple of days ago, because this is what he's looking at. How do we do this better? How do we get more from this growth mindset research? He has some awesome work about how important the mindset of the leader and teacher is, how important the context is, and I'm going to be digging into all of that for the next few months, so you can expect new articles and videos on all of that research coming soon. Today, though, let's keep it simple. I want to dive into one paper by David Yeager that I can't stop thinking about. They called it a synergistic mindset intervention. Okay, what does that actually mean? Basically, they're like, okay, we know growth mindset is powerful, but there's this other area of research around stress mindsets that we think is important, too. What happens if we combine the two? For those of you keeping score at home and following along with all of our podcasts, the stress mindset research, that's what we did our last episode on. So
1: we had this idea that it's not enough just to tell someone your stress is good for you because... They may think that the cause of their stress is really bad. And it's not just enough to say, looks like you're stressed, you can grow. they would be like, yeah, but I'm so stressed I'm going to fail no matter what I do.
0: Bringing these two topics together actually makes a ton of sense. I think we can all identify times in our life where we believed we could learn something but still didn't do it. For me, it's dancing. I believe dancing is a skill and I know I could get better if I practice it. So technically, I have kind of a growth mindset towards dancing. Yet a lot of the time when I have an opportunity to practice, I'm standing on the side. And it's not because I slipped into a fixed mindset. It's because I don't want to feel weird. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to experience the stress and discomfort of being bad at dancing. So that's stress. That's the emotions keeping me on the wall. It's not my mindset. But it also can work in the reverse. If deep down we don't believe we can do the thing, it doesn't really matter how we think about the stress itself. We're probably not going to engage in very much action. So we had this insight,
1: me, Chris Bryan, Jeremy Jameson, and Danielle Kredick working originally on this industry problem, turned it into a basic theoretical problem, saying that growth mindset has been isolated from research on the meaning of stress. And what if we brought them together? And it was a kind of, Crazy idea, but it all happened super fast. We did three studies right after we had the idea in the fall of 2019. We gave it, and we decided to test it in several different settings. One was with high schoolers in a really low-income high school, and one was with college students just starting uh, freshman year. Um, And in parallel, we ran the two studies, and what we found is that a 25-minute message to say not only growth mindset you can grow and learn, but also when you're growing and learning, you'll inevitably be stressed. That stress is not a sign that you're failing. It's a sign that you're growing. And in fact, you can harness it. It's like a way that you're surfing. You can ride that energy, um, and do better. When we gave them that message, then we saw stress physiology was better. Um, cortisol levels in the low income school were better. Um, kids did got better grades. Um, And then it just worked so well, we just kept replicating it again and again for like a year and a half. And then we thought, this is pretty good. We'll send it to Nature.
0: So this paper was also published in Nature, which is like the most big time thing you can do as a researcher. And it's so good that I want to dive in and look at each one of the experiments they did. In study number one, they analyzed high school students in 35 public schools across the country. Half of the students go through this short intervention where they learn about growth mindset and stress mindset. The control group does not. Then they give them this imagined scenario. Your teacher in one of your hardest classes gives you this big assignment, this last minute assignment that's due like tomorrow. So again, it's designed to create a stress response. They found that the intervention students were less likely to perceive that challenge as a threat and they were less likely to think that the stress that was caused by the challenge would hurt their performance. Study one was kind of an imagined challenge. In study two, they went further and looked at a real challenge, a difficult quiz. This was a similar setup to the previous study, but this time they were working with college students, 755 of them. So again, half go through the intervention, half are the control group. Then they all have to take a difficult quiz a few days after the intervention, and also a few weeks after the intervention. What they found is, once again, the intervention students respond more effectively to this challenge a few days later and a few weeks later. And this shows that this intervention actually transferred to a real-world stressor. Study number three was also looking at university students, and they put them through this thing called the Trier Social Stress Test. This is a test that a lot of experimenters use to create a stressful environment in the lab. So there's a few phases to it. First, they create tension. They say, in a few minutes, you have to give a speech in front of a panel. And then you have a few minutes to like sit there and freak out about it. And then you give this speech to a panel, and then the people on the panel are actually trained to give you negative nonverbal feedback. So acting uninterested, scrunching up their faces, crossing their arms, sighing. Again, this is designed to create a lot of discomfort. And then as soon as you're done with the speech, you have to count backwards from 996 in increments of seven while the people on the panel point out the mistakes you make. And each time you mess up, you have to start over. Again, doubling down on the discomfort. This study is interesting because they measured a bunch of the physiology. Blood pressure, heart rate, total peripheral resistance. I don't really know what that means. But big picture what they found that once again, the intervention group, their stress response was more effective before, during, and after the test. Study number four was a lot like study number three. But this time, instead of just an intervention group and a control group, They added two more groups, a growth mindset only group and a stress mindset only group. So now we have combo, growth only, stress only, control.
1: And we found the combo was the only one that was better than control, and it was better than the other two.
0: Study number five was looking at low-income high school students and how they dealt with the daily stressors in their lives they found that the intervention actually improved the stress response again and lowered the cortisol levels for those students. Not only did the intervention improve the way they dealt with their daily stressors in life, but it also had an impact on their outcomes in school. So the control group students, the ones that didn't go through the intervention, on average, they passed their math class 47% of the time. The intervention students passed 63% of the time. Because a lot of this work was done around 2020 during the pandemic, study number six was possible. In this one, they revisited the college students from study number two, and they gave them a survey measuring general anxiety levels a month into the shutdown. And once again, the growth mindset, stress mindset combo actually improved the anxiety levels for the students that needed it the most. Honestly, this paper really blows me away that such a short intervention, under 30 minutes, teaching students the basics of the stress mindset research and the growth mindset research can have such a big impact on so many important factors that it can change the way that people perceive a challenge, their cortisol levels, and even academic outcomes. And maybe the most amazing part of this is it shows that these two kind of separate areas of research, when combined, they actually enhance one another.
1: So it ended up enhancing these two other literatures, um, while also saying, look, actually, sometimes beliefs count twice, that you need a belief both about the stressful thing that happens to you and a belief about your response to that stress. And if you don't do both, either bad belief can pull you back into a bad spiral.
0: If you want to learn more about stress mindset, we actually just did an episode about it a couple weeks ago. So go to YouTube or any podcasting platform, type in Learner Lab Stress Mindset, and you got it. Now to end this episode, though, I want to go back to growth mindset. And I want to share with you some tips and strategies that I think are useful in building it. These are all approaches that I've learned over the last 10 years and teaching this to people from all over the world, from Olympic athletes, to first grade students, to major league baseball players. I've even done some of these presentations in prisons. And I think these are some of the the best ways to get the growth mindset ball rolling. First, it's really important, I think, to provide context or like a big why or purpose. When I was younger, I would go in and say, this is a growth mindset presentation. Here's what a growth mindset is and kind of go through it. Now, the way we do it is actually zoom out and say, These workshops are about how to become a better learner. Well, why is that important? And we kind of get into like why learning is such an important skill, how it's a beneficial skill for all of us that no matter who we are, what we do, getting good at learning is valuable. So it's like, okay, yeah, I do want to become a better learner. And then we show the way that a growth mindset can help you on that journey. So rather than just talking about growth mindset, we're providing context, we're connecting it to their values and showing why a growth mindset matters. It's also important to understand the way that our mindset impacts others. So when we're working with a group of teachers or leaders, we spend a lot of time helping them understand that, look, yes, we want to share this information with the people around us, and that's great but we have to walk the walk. Like we have to get right here. Like we need to build a growth mindset and model these behaviors. That's really important. Also, based off of David's work that we just covered, if we're talking growth mindset, it's a really good idea to bring in some of the research around stress, discomfort, and fear as well. They work together really, really well. Another important thing to be clear on when when you're building this and teaching this is mindsets aren't static. You're not Always a fixed mindset person, always a growth mindset person, depending on the skill, the subject, the mood we're in, the challenges that we're facing in the moment, our mindsets can change and waver. So we can get rid of the shame around fixed mindset. Like sometimes we're going to doubt our capacity to grow. That's normal. That's okay. But when we lay out the tools properly, it is something that people can learn to recognize and they can kind of work their way back towards a growth using some of these tools and strategies. A short activity that seems to connect with a lot of groups, I have them stop and I go, okay, 20 seconds on the clock, think of two things you're good at and share it with a neighbor. And it doesn't matter who the group is, kind of the same thing happens. I say this and there's like five seconds of silence and you can see on people's faces like the wheels turning and they're thinking like, wait, am I good at stuff? This is a problem with the learning process that we have to fix. The truth about learning is we all do it all the time. Every month, every week, every year, we're getting better at stuff. Yet sometimes we don't recognize the growth. Sometimes we don't give ourselves credit for the growth. So if there's a hundred people in the room, that means we just identified 200 skills. Some big, some small, some funny, some serious. And out of all those skills, they all have two things in common. Once upon a time, you weren't as good at that thing as you are now. And that was changed through what? practice, and experience. Which is proof that you built that skill. I know this seems like a simple exercise, but there's actually quite a bit of power underneath it. Remember the core of the growth mindset, the core belief is, I believe I could grow. And this is a way of reinforcing that belief. In a way, it provides evidence. I believe I can learn stuff because I have learned stuff. Every single thing we do in life is supported by skills that we've built throughout our life. Yet so many times we work with people who display a strong fixed mindset. They don't believe they can learn new stuff, but they're sitting on top of a mountain of skills that they've built over the years. An exercise like this, though, can shine a light on those skills, help people take a step back and recognize the fact that we're all learning all the time. So reflecting is a nice way of reinforcing a growth mindset. Another way is to learn new stuff. So there's a middle school that I work with, and every year they do a project called the Anti-Talent Show, and it's my favorite thing ever. So everyone has to pick something that they can't do, and then they get to practice it for two weeks, and they hold the Anti-Talent Show. Every teacher, every student participates. Some people learn to juggle, skateboard, uh, recite poetry, paint. Nobody masters their skill in two weeks, but they all get better at it. And I love this project so much because they don't just tell the students that they should have a growth mindset. No, they set up a scenario where it's like, wow, two weeks ago, I couldn't juggle. Now I can juggle. And that was changed through practice. So you kind of go back to a point that we made at the start of the episode. We said, our beliefs, our mindsets impact actions and actions really are the key to growth, obviously. They kind of enter through action. They go, okay, everyone's going to take action. Everyone's going to practice this skill. Well, what happens? They see progress. They see growth. Then they use that progress and that growth as a platform to talk about growth mindset. So now that's not just an empty term. It's, no, I believe I could grow because I just did. Am I saying you need to go learn to juggle tonight? No, but what I am saying is by going through the learning process and building a new skill, it is a good way of reinforcing a growth mindset within yourself or others. One of the last, but I think most effective strategies is to present the research around neuroplasticity, but to do it in the right way. This research has been around for decades and the name describes what it is. Neuro is brain, plasticity means it can change. So this is the research that shows that when we learn something, our brains kind of physically change in this process. Our brain is a series of circuits and pathways. Anytime we do anything, we fire a pathway. And if we fire a pathway enough times in the right way, our brain will reinforce that circuit and we can fire it better. So the neuroscientists say what fires together, wires together. That's the science of how we build skills. Skills live up here. they are circuits that we fire and wire. A few years ago, I interviewed Dr. Michael Merzenich, and in the world of neuroscience, he's known as the father of neuroplasticity. Check out this clip from the interview.
2: I'm a, I was for many years a professor at the University of California at San Francisco, and we did experiments. Other scientists had also done experiments earlier and in parallel that showed that the brain, in fact, was massively plastic in old, at an older age at any age, on any ability, and I can improve it. It turns out that plasticity in the brain is its big trick. It's the main thing that that makes it so fabulous. Absolutely, everyone has the capacity to be better at at virtually everything. With that understanding, miracles can occur in your capacity to understand or do complicated things that you never thought you'd be able to do. You are designed to be continuously improvable nobody's done nobody's defined what their limits are I can tell you whatever you think your limits are you're wrong right you can be better next week a little bit but in a year you can be a lot better and almost anything that matters to you
0: now think about the points that he made in that short clip. First, out of the gate, he says, anyone at any age. That flies right in the face of some of the perceptions we have in society about learning and age. Their research shows that healthy brains remain plastic throughout our lives, which means we do have the the capacity to build new skills even as we get older. The research also shows that once we're older than like 18 to 22, we have to be more intentional with our learning to change the brain, but it can happen. And obviously, for more movement-based skills, we might be limited as we age. But for the skills that matter the most, yes, we can get better at them, even as we get older. That piece at the end is really the key messaging for all this. Absolutely everyone can get better at virtually anything. That's one of the most inspiring messages that we could take to heart and share with others. Now, he's not saying, and I'm not saying, anyone can do anything because that's not true at all. There's all sorts of stuff you and I can't do. But what he is saying is we can all get better at stuff. And to me, that's so important to take to heart. Yes, we're all different. We're going to go at different speeds. We're going to learn different things. Our genetics matter. Our environment matters. All sorts of factors matter when it comes to learning. Our personality types can send us in different directions as far as what we care about. But with all that on the table, we can still say we can all get better at stuff. The hard part is if you're like me, I'm good at telling the fixed mindset story. I'm not a math person, not a people person, not a a leader. Very rarely do I put the story to the test. It ends up, though, if we put our brain in the right environment and give it some time to do its job, to fire the pathway, to struggle, to solve the problem, our capacity to grow is much greater than we know. Neuroplasticity is the bedrock for an authentic growth mindset. Growth mindset says, I believe I could grow. Neuroplasticity is saying, you can If you want to build a growth mindset within yourself or to people around you, we have to talk about the brain. But we need to do it in an accessible way. We don't need to overcomplicate it. What we need to understand is that we have a learning machine between our ears. When we use it properly and put it in the right environment, one of its main functions is to grow and get better at stuff. I think that's a nice place to wrap for today. We gave a brief overview of the mindset research. We talked about how it's changed over the past few years. We talked about how a growth mindset can be enhanced when we bring in some of the stress mindset research. And we gave you some concrete strategies to build a growth mindset. Now, of course, our job's not done. There's a lot more that we need to explore with this topic, but I'm so excited about the new era of this research. We're going to link to everything below. Thank you to Carol Dweck. And thank you to David Yeager for your fantastic work and sharing it with us. You can check out our website, thelearnerlab.com, for more resources on learning and leadership. Thank you so much for learning with us. We'll be back next week.